I do love to go to the arms of my Savior. He's amazing. Well, a lot has happened since we were here 55 years ago. No. <laughs> um, we, we're so glad we are, being, we are here to share with you because we do have a story to tell. And I have, uh, we've decided actually as a family to, to, to call this one of the biggest blessings that we could ever have. And I will share this with you even though it sounds a little strange. The biggest blessing that we've had as a family so far, and I think uh, me as a person so far, is that I found myself in the oncologist's office not too very long ago being told that I had a very rare form of lymphoma called a double hit lymphoma that um, is terminal and basically giving me three to six months, give or take, to live. And I'd always wondered what would I feel like or how I would react and some of you may have thought of this too what would it be like if you were being told pretty soon you're going to die and the wonderful thing that happened was that the Lord's peace just came to me and flooded me and I knew in my heart that that was okay that if he called me home tomorrow I was alright with that because I've been walking with Jesus for a long time and I know him and I trust him and if I'm gonna go see him soon that's okay <laughs> and that peace never left me. And um, I know that you can't conjure up that to stay with you day in and day out over months and months and years and years. So I knew that this is real. And I find that one reason I call this the biggest blessing is because when you are faced with death, you start to question what you believe. Is this, now you say, what? not question what you believe in the way that, I'm t that that sounds, but I'm saying, you say, is what I believe really true? Have I believed the thing that is really, really true, or have I made up something, or have I believed a lie? And I know, without a shadow of a doubt, in the core of my being, that the one true living God is the God of the Bible. He did create everything. He did send his son. He came to the earth as a baby, grew up, died on that cross, to save us from our sins and rose again from the dead because he conquered death. And I know that because I have his Holy Spirit in me and he gives me peace that can't be explained. And it never changed and it never left. Now there's a little bit more to the story. I, we prayed about it. They weren't quite so happy with me leaving as, <laughs> as I was okay with, but uh, I think that's good that they weren't happy, I suppose. But <laughs> right, <laughs> so we prayed about it, and uh, I did some chemo, lost my hair, came back curly. That was one other little blessing. I was, I'm okay with curly hair now. Um, <laughs> but I decided to stop the chemo and do. We felt led to do the natural things. But I had previously my first PET scan. I had about 12 or 13 tumors, and some of them are about three inches long, very big, all riddled with with lymphoma cancer. And I decided after. Um, having my elders pray for me, like it says in James 5, to anoint me with oil and pray for healing, to have another PET scan way earlier than they would have. And so I had one right after that, and the cancer was completely gone. Just, hey! <laughs> so, so <laughs> yes, the Lord is good. The doctors were not expecting that. <laughs> and the Lord is my healer. I give him all the glory. I will say, I do not know why he heals some people now, 
when we ask and some, sometimes later. But I do know this. He's good. He is good no matter what happens. He's good and he can be trusted. We live in a fallen world where things happen that are very, very hard, very difficult. We live in a place where there's an enemy. So Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But greater is he who is in you. That's Jesus than he that is in the world. So we don't have to be afraid. I was never afraid of dying because I know I'm going to be with him. And I know that I can trust him no matter what. And they say, the doctors say it'll come back. I don't think they're right. But even if it does, I'm in his hands. It's okay. He's a good God. And he's never, ever, ever failed me. He keeps his promises. And so I just want to tell you that you can trust him. Jesus is amazing. This is, a, this is a song I wrote a long time ago, but we want to sing it for you because it kind of applies now. We do not need to be afraid of the dark.
Thank you. Thank you. They are going to, Gary, Elise, and Amy are going to be here right at the end of our service to also lead us in one last song of um, praise before we go. But let me just share with you just a few words. Um, if you have your Bibles, you might open them up to Luke chapter 1. And um, as I was preparing today, I contacted uh, Gary and Amy and said, hey, share with me some of your testimony, just so that I know um, what it is before I kind of step into speaking behind Amy sharing her testimony. And they had sent an email to us, and, and they um, had entitled the story, The Gift. And I thought, well, that's very unusual to, to call this a gift. And yet, as Amy shared, really, they see this as a gift of what God has done through this cancer. I mean, think about this. What would you do if you had three to six months to live? And we're told that. And she writes in uh, the te- email uh, testimony that she gave. She said, you know what? Um, she told husband and daughter, you know, I, I feel bad for you, but honestly, I'm, I'm kind of excited. She said, I've been walking with Jesus. I've been loving him. And now I get to go see him. I think about what happened right after that as well. The day that she came with this cancer diagnosis from the doctor, she went to see her daughter in a play, a Shakespearean play in the community center. And there were some other people who were friends of theirs who knew what she was going through and knew that she had this diagnosis, but Amy was just enjoying the play, enjoying what was going on, laughing and talking to others. And so one of them came, one who said that she was an atheist, and that she had raised her family as uh, in atheistic ways, um, and said, um, this gal, though, came to Amy and said, Amy, I've been seeing how you have taken this news, and there's something different about you. There's something different that you can laugh, you can enjoy this time, and not just being feeling sorry for yourself. And she said, we need to go out to coffee, and we need to talk about this. And Amy writes about how within a few weeks that they did that. And now today, um, her friend um, uh, knows about God. The daughter of of the friend, though, knows, and she's a believer in Christ. Uh, And so Amy has planted many, many seeds and many lives uh, since this diagnosis has come about. In fact, uh, both of them write about how, and let me just read this, Uh, cancer has been the best thing that has happened to us. Uh, Utter dependence on God has transformed our lives. Our relationship is better. Our marriage is better. Our vision is clearer. God has opened doors to share his love with hundreds of people. Now, obviously, thousands of people will hear about their story. Now, I ask you that. What would you do if you were presented with that kind of a gift? I I don't like those kind of gifts. Let me just be real honest with you, all right? I like the gifts that have bows and packages and shiny wrapping paper underneath the Christmas tree. That's how I would rather receive a gift. And yet, maybe today, in this course of 2017, you have received some type of a gift that you're not sure about. Just know this, even as Amy has said, we serve a good God who is always, always good to us. We serve a God who makes possible that which is impossible. We serve a God that, you know, sometimes maybe we scratch our heads and say, I'm not so sure about that, but I can still trust him because he is always faithful. He will always deliver his promises. We serve the kind of God 
who blesses. And when we don't see those kind of blessings, he is still in the midst of loving us and blessing us because the God that we are talking about here today, as Amy so appropriately said, came into this world to be one of us, to be born in a smelly, messy manger. It's amongst smelly, messy people and messy lives that we are in. The manger that was so long ago is more alive today. That child that was in that manger is more alive today than he ever, ever has been before because he born, raised, became a man, went to die on a cross but did not stay in the grave. He rose again to eternal life so that we might have life as well. And that's the kind of God that we serve who did not stay up in heaven but came to be born as one of us. On probably a cold Bethlehem night. In fact, let me share with you how the story goes. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, tells the pre-story about how Jesus was going to be conceived and born. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph in the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name, what first Baptist? His name shall be called Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, uh, Just one question here. How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who has been called barren for nothing. Now get this, folks. Nothing will be impossible with God. Amen? And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know, I'm not sure what you're facing as you walk in here at the end of 2017, right on the threshold of 2018, but rest assured, whatever it may be, it has not caught God by surprise. It may have caught you by surprise. It may have caught you, and you may be a little unsettled. You may be unsure. You may be uncertain, but our God is not asleep, amen? He is fully awake. He is, and he knows. And I mean, you want to look to someone who may have been surprised and unsettled and a little uncertain, that would have been Mary. I mean, look back to the beginning of the passage, verses 28 and 29, where it talks about how the angel came and said, Greetings, O favored one. I am sure she did not feel very favored at this moment, right? 
I mean, in fact, in verse 29, it says she was greatly troubled at what he was saying to her, and she tried to figure out what really he was saying because he, he spoke with an accent or a dialect that was not, she was not used to. That's what the text really is saying, that she was uncertain. She was even kind of scratching her head. I'm not sure where you, you are from. Verse 30 says, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have, you have, you have found favor with God. You know, as I was thinking about those words and the way that the angel presented this and the way that God often presents us with things in life, I thought, you know what? God doesn't always roll out his plan for us when he starts to do something in us. And I've come to realize it's probably because most of us would probably freak out and say, I am out of here, right? We probably would say, uh, that's not the direction that I think I want to go. In fact, I'm sure Amy came across that. And yet that peace that came over here in that doctor's office immediately and then lasted for those two years and even to now of saying, you know what though? God, you're in charge. You're in control. I'm not sure, if you look back on your life, you probably would have areas in your life where you said, you know what, I didn't know what God was doing. I didn't know what he was up to. But if I did, in that moment, I probably wouldn't have done it. But we look back on it now and say, of course, God, yes. Yes, I look at that in my own ministry here. I I didn't always want to be a pastor, and I've explained this to many of you. I told God, okay, I will go into ministry, but three things I don't want to do. I don't want to be a senior pastor. I don't want to preach every week. And I don't want to ask anybody for money. That's basically what I was saying. Those are the stipulations I put on God. (laughs) <laughs> Last laugh he had, right? Right? You, you just never know. And yet God doesn't rule out that plan for us and explain it all to us because I would have to believe that if he would have even done that for me, I'd have said, I'm out of here. I don't want to do it. I don't want to take those steps. And yet some of you may be right on the beginning of that. Right on the beginning of something God wants to do. And you're uncertain. You're unsettled. You don't know what it is. But trust him. Trust him with what he is doing. He doesn't always explain what he is up to, but he will never, ever give you more than you can handle. Amen? And as Mary was one of those who obviously God thought a lot of, because he actually did explain more than I probably would have thought he would explain. Look at the verses out of 31 through 33, where the angel explained to her that you will conceive in your womb a bare son, He will call his name Jesus, and he will be great and son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And when she asked the obvious question, I'm not sure how this is going to come about, and he explained to her how her virgin status was not going to stop this from coming about, she says, all right, I'm in, in verse 37 and 38, saying those words, nothing is impossible with God. The angel said, nothing, nothing will be impossible. So she says, all right, I'm in. What do you want? So my question, I guess, to us today is, how are you responding to what God has given you? Maybe it's a good gift. Maybe it's a hard gift. Maybe it's an unsettling gift. Maybe it's an unusual gift. But how do you respond to that? A couple weeks ago, I was called down to the hospital for a family whose uh, wife was just put in hospice care. 
And she had been sick for quite a while, but she was there in the hospital and now was just going to be told uh, by the doctors how much longer she had to live. And I got there before the doctors came in, and I walked into the room, was talking with them a little bit, and, and um, I prayed with them, and she had her husband there with her, and we talked a little bit about that. And, and I left, but I wanted to know more about what the doctor was going to say. And so I think it was on a Friday that that took place, and I got back there on Friday evening, and I slipped back into the room, um, and I said, okay, how did, how did things go with the doctor? And they talked, and they shared, and they said, yeah, it will probably be under a week, maybe a week and a half. Um, and so we talked about that, and their, uh, the gal's sister actually was in the room now. And so I asked each of them, how are you dealing with this? And the sister answered first. She said, I could not be more happy for my sister. She was almost giddy. She said, my sister knows Jesus. She's going to be with the Lord. In fact, she is going to meet her, her, her father. She's going to see her mother again. She's going to see her brother again. And she was almost jealous, she said, for her sister that was going to go, get to go meet Jesus ahead of her. And then the gal who had cancer spoke up. And I said, how are you doing? And she said, Pastor Brad, I, I'm, I'm doing okay. I know Jesus. I am at peace. I have no qualms, no problems. God is up to different things right now. He's taken me to his side. I'm okay. And then I asked her husband, who had not talked. And I knew from the time I had been there that morning, he was not doing well with this. And I turned to him and I said, how are you doing with this? And he simply said, it is what it is. And looked down. And in those moments, I thought, oh boy. Here we have people who obviously know the Lord, who are celebrating the Lord. And even though this is not easy earthly, and it's a spiritual neighbor, it's a peace that surpasses all understanding, uh, that, that makes people come to that place of saying, I'm okay. We also have someone who had no hope, never thinking he'd see his wife again. So I prayed for him, trying to make contact with him. And she has now passed away, the gal wanting to now minister to the husband because he's the one who now needs the hope to know that he can see her again. You know, I, I, I just talked with Ivy down here a second ago. Nancy, I know you both lost your father. Your, Nancy, your father, and Ivy, your husband, of many, many years last Sunday, about this time. He was slipping into the arms of Jesus. He was in hospice care at your home, and I uh, got the text later on that evening and, um, that he had passed away and that he was in heaven now. And so this is the first chance I had to talk with Ivy in person. I said, how are you doing? She said, Pastor Brad, Larry's having a way better Christmas than we're going to have down here. <laughs> that is so true. He is dancing. He is celebrating on the streets of gold with Jesus now. No, we don't always know. Amy said it well. We don't always know why God heals some and doesn't seem like he heals others in our timing. But we just talked a second ago. Larry's healed. Larry is at home with his Lord and Savior now. And maybe if you're here today and you don't have that hope, you need to understand that God came to give you that hope, the hope of the world, that Jesus was incarnate, all the being, all the essence of God himself, born amongst us, living. The scriptures talks about how he taught, how he, how he led us, and how he pointed us to where he was going to die. But death is not the end. Death is just the beginning because even as he rose out of the grave three days later, God has that special place for us that if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you've said yes to him, then you will be 
resurrected as well. Don't go any longer through this Christmas season. Don't go any longer through this life without having that kind of hope. You may not know what the future holds, but you can know who holds the future. And that is God himself. In fact, this last week I was reading some Christmas um, articles, and one of them brought up an interesting point. It said, um, came across some stats where it said, according to a recent Gallup poll, said 95% of Americans celebrate Christmas. Now, that's not hard to believe. Great, only 5% don't. 95% celebrate Christmas. But it said only 51% describe um, the holiday of Christmas as a strongly religious holiday for them personally. Half of the people who celebrate Christmas do so just on a cultural holiday type of feel without having any sort of a religious holy day, which is really where the word holiday comes from. It's a holy day. But don't think of it that way. Just kind of a cultural type of thing, Rudolph and Frosty and all the rest. In fact, 49% the article went to say, um, the people, so basically 50% of the people who, who believe in Christmas, uh, celebrate Christmas, only half of them believe that the virgin birth is historically accurate. And so they don't really believe the account of Christmas and how it all came about. It's as though they've taken verse 37 out of Scripture and said, ah, you know what, nothing's impossible with God. I don't really believe that. And what they've done, unfortunately, is taken away the mystery, have taken away the big godness that's in the story. And... I, I don't understand why you would believe that God become, could become one of us and understand that part of it and not understand that he could also uh, uh, be born of a virgin. And yet many people don't. They just kind of take that part away. And they're missing that God who says, I want to do the impossible. They're missing those kind of acts that say when you come up against death, when you come up against hardship, when you come up against unemployment, when you come up against financial struggles, when you come up against relationship kind of struggles, God's saying, I want to be involved. I want to walk you through that. I'm a God of peace. I'm a God that can give you hope. I'm a God who is good, and I'm always here for you. Because truth of the matter is, many secular people, maybe who ignore God um, and ignore specifically Christ or Jesus at Christmas time, they might not know any different. Think about this, that there are a lot of people in our society who are not trying to be insulting to God. They just have no real knowledge of how those secular traditions of Christmas have spiritual significance in life. So who's supposed to tell them? That's us. We need to be the ones to explain that Christ is all about Christmas. Christmas is all about Christ. It's the reason that we do what we do. In fact, a lot of those even uh, traditions that we celebrate have deep, significant roots. You look at gift giving that we celebrate at Christmas time. It comes directly from the wise men who brought gifts to the baby Jesus uh, in that house that they visited him. You think of you think of Christmas trees. And what do they have on them? They have lights. You think of the lights that we put on our houses. Do you know that Martin Luther, that great reformer, was the first one to put lights on a Christmas tree? You know why he put lights on a Christmas tree? To signify that Jesus is the light of the world. That's why we have so many lights at Christmas time. 
And yet, many people don't know that. They don't understand that. They don't see that connection. You know, even the holly wreaths that you have with the prickly holly um, uh, leaf and berries, that holly leaf was chosen because it, it signifies the, the um, uh, crown of thorns that Jesus would go to and experience on the cross. And the holly berries, the, the red holly berries, signify the blood, drips of, drops of blood that Jesus shed for you and for me. In fact, evergreen trees and evergreen wreaths are there because it signifies everlasting, evergreen, everlasting life that we will have with God someday. The Christ of Christmas. Christmas is all about Christ. And so, you know, I don't get upset when people tell me happy holidays in the stores. You know why? Because they don't know any different, most of them. Yes, I want to say Merry Christmas back to them, and I often do with a smile on my face, but the truth is, it's not their story to tell. It's my story to tell. It's your story to tell. We're the ones who know that story. Yes, I am thankful that our president, if you didn't know this, even our president has said this year, let's not call it Happy Holidays, let's call it a Merry Christmas, because that's what it is. And so I'm thrilled about that, that he can do that and has the courage to say that. He has the courage to say a lot of things, doesn't he, these days? I'm glad he said that as well. But you know what? It's not his story. It's not his story to tell. It's our story to tell. If you know Jesus, if you know the reason, it's our story to tell. And so my question is this. How do do people see you respond when you're presented with an unusual gift? Do you respond like Amy did? Do you respond like Mary did? What's your first thought? What's your first emotion? What's your first action? See, our peace in the midst of life's in the midst of life and the trials of life and such reveals what kind of a faith we really do have. Is that faith real, or is it just something that I had on a Sunday morning, or that my grandmother instilled in me, or that my mother or my father instilled in me? Or is it reality? Do you believe God can do the impossible? Do you believe heaven and hell are reality? I love what Billy Graham says about that very simply. He says, heaven is real and hell is real. And eternity is but a breath away. At this Christmas time, I pray that you have the hope that is knowing Jesus And knowing that if the worst thing could happen to you today, that is your life was taken from you, of knowing that you would have a peace that only comes from knowing him. And if today, if you don't know him, then we want to pause for just a moment here and give me the opportunity to share with you what God's word says, how you can have that peace, how you can have that knowledge, how you can have that hope in your life as well. Let's pray. God, I thank you for what your word tells us. That your son was sent into this world to come as a child, a baby. The miracle of Christmas is that Jesus, in full essence, came to be one of us, born to die. God, Christmas is a wonderful time. For many of us, it's a wonderful, the most wonderful time of the year. But it does point to Easter. Lord, may we celebrate that. And even this time between Christmas and Easter time, may we live in that reality that, yes, life is given to us 
but death will come, but life everlasting will reign forever. Folks, I know in this room, and even many who are listening online now, you'd say you're a believer. I pray that you have that hope. I pray that nothing in life would ever rock that faith. I pray even in this upcoming year that whatever may shake that firm firm foundation of a faith you have may solidify even more that you have a solid, firm foundation of faith in Jesus Christ. But I also know there are some in here who would say, I'm not sure about this. In fact, I didn't see even all the connections in this Christmas time. Someone just invited me to come today. And you know, if that's you, and you would say, I've known about Jesus, but i really never known him. Here's what Scripture tells us. Jesus came, being born one of us. He lived life. He shared with his disciples and with people around him. He healed, he taught. And he told his disciples he was going to the cross to die on the cross. And that cross was so necessary to allow us to have a relationship with God the Father for eternity. No longer would there be a sacrificed animal that would take place of sin, but it would be Jesus himself who would die for eternity. The disciples questioned him. They scratched their head. They even shared in an upper room a time of uh, uh, what we call communion of a bread that was broken and blood or uh, wine that was shared. And that act became true. Within 24 hours, they saw Jesus go to the cross. But then within three days, they saw him raised to life. And every one of those disciples gave their life for him, living for him throughout all of their life until they were called home to eternity. And today, if you're at that place of saying, okay, I now get it. That this Jesus is real. This Jesus was alive. This Jesus, I believe what he said. Then what he tells us is if you have a faith, if you believe in him as the son of God, and accept his sacrifice in your life, that he will come in. He will take over your life. He will bless you beyond belief. Might not be in ways that you expect it right away, but he will bless He will bless, and one day eternity awaits where that final blessing will come into focus. So today, you just want to say those simple words in your heart, Lord Jesus, I invite you in. He promises to do that. My challenge to you would be then to take the next step of talking to a friend who invited you, of coming to talk to me down here, maybe even Amy or Gary. They'd love to talk to you as well. We have some counselors at our Next Step Center. We'd love to give you information because you're in a new relationship. You now know God who gives peace. He is the everlasting, the prince of peace. And he is now a part of your life. This Christmas will be different for you. We celebrate that. We rejoice in that. And we pray that you will take steps with us as God leads you on this journey. God, thank you so much for what this day means, for what this season means. And even now as we sing one last song that gives a sense of joy and hope to the world around us, Lord, may we go from this place knowing Now, whatever you give us, whatever gifts arrive in this upcoming year, Lord, we will know, be they hard to fathom, be they blessings that you give, that all good things come from you because you are such a good God. We love you, and it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.